Hello and welcome to another episode of the Women Who Sport podcast. This week on the podcast we're chatting to Alice Deering. Alice is an open water swimmer. She's trying to compete for the Olympics next year with Team GB. She also co-founded the Black Swimming Association which tries to get more ethnic minorities and people of colour into the pool and she's just really cool and we're super excited about having her on the podcast. Before we get started, we're buzzing to announce our two partnerships that we're working with this episode and series. Um, rugby Locker Stash, they're really good humans. Um, they do good things for rugby, kind of selling pre-love rugby kit and also boob armour. Um, lovely Aussie lady setting up this company, trying kind of breach the UK markets um, to protect women and their boobs during contact sport. Smashed it. Right. Roundup of the week. So the my if we start with highs, my high is the FA reversed their decision about Academy football. Yeah, really good. I saw this. Really, yeah. really good. Maybe it's because of the backlash they got on the Women Who Sport podcast. Sport podcast. We've got a big reach now, so <laughs> now that we've got nearly two K followers. Um, that's a good one. Um, my high of the week, do you know, was that could have been an option. Um, my other option was on the Rugby Weekly Show, you know, with like Danny Karen, all the other big boys on there, um, were pretty much raving about how good the England Women v France game was and that it was the best game of the weekend. So that's I was a- going to say that, yeah, like out of yeah. all the games this weekend, like I hate when people say, oh, women's rugby shit, blah, blah, blah. Like that was by far the like most entertaining game to watch. Oh, 100%. And if you think about it, there was a handful of Prem games on, all the men were playing. That is like a really big compliment and also just goes to show that the ball is in play a lot longer. Like, there is something worth watching women's game if you're not already converted to it. Oh, 100%. And it's, I don't know, I hate that we have to, like, celebrate when the men mention the game and stuff. Actually, it's people like that mentioning it that will increase its platform. Yeah, um, 100%. Now, on the lows, I I haven't got a low. So, <laughs> neither. I but, was, like, literally, like, searching up Telegraph Women's Sport being, like, surely something shit's so happened. Like, yeah, but I guess that's a good thing that we don't have a low, like... And this is me clutching at straws. So the Women's Cricket World Cup's been postponed, but that's actually because of the pandemic, not sexism, so... So, yeah. <laughs> don't know if we could use that. Silly, oh, but... Well, this is exciting. What a week. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. We can celebrate that in the news, there's nothing that we've got any gripes about. Yeah, just all highs today. Yeah. Sweet, cool. Let's get Sharon Martin on and get into it with Alice. Um, I guess we'll just start from the beginning. So what got you into swimming and have you only swam as your kind of only sport from such a young age or was it something you transferred into? Yeah, so like swimming has pretty much been the only sport in my life. Like I I think that's quite typical of most swimmers. We just kind of swim. But um, yeah, I started when I was eight years old. I initially learned to swim when I was five and then moved to a swimming club when I was eight. And we, I kind of fell into it by chance because my mum saw the notice board for the local swimming club at the pool we were learning to swim at. 
and she always wanted us to get into a sport and me and my brother both love swimming so she put us into sessions with them and then we both just fell in love with it got kind of like obsessed with watching the international competitions and the professionals and stuff and then I progressed to like the elite level and my brother moved into like the coaching teaching side of it. Well that's cool so you're both now involved in swimming still? Uh, yeah I am anyway but he he was coaching but he's moved to be a primary school teacher but he's PE coordinator at his primary school lesson so I think he still teaches them whenever they go to swimming lessons which is quite sweet. (laughs) And at what point in your head did it kind of change for you and you think actually I can do this like I can make it as a swimmer? Oh honestly like only in the past few years if I'm being completely honest um I never really had that like self-confidence in like making it because I was well I was well aware of how hard it is to like get to the Olympics and in my mind that was something that was kind of like unattainable especially like probably up until I was about 20 that I felt that way and I was kind of like like this is going to be like a really hard grind but um as I've grown up and like fell in love with the sport more I've had more confidence in myself that like this is something that I can do and that I am good at. And as a youngster, do you get channeled into a certain swim distance or do you kind of get encouraged to compete at sprint distances and long distance distances? Um, How does that work? And then at what point did you decide, actually, I'm pretty good at the distance stuff? Oh, this is an interesting question. I've never been asked this in an interview. That's cool. Um, So with swimming, the general consensus around coaches at like age group level, which is like 11 to 16, is you try to get them to do everything, like every stroke. Obviously, like in some cases, I mean, I wasn't great at breaststroke or backstroke. So I still did them at open meets, but I never trained on it. And it wasn't until, it's not really until about your 15, 16 until you should really start specializing in a specific stroke or distance. I mean, naturally, I was always better at the the longer events. So 200 and above, that's what I would make regionals and nationals at. Um, I struggled a bit more at the hundreds, but that was just because I'm not the tallest person, not the most powerful. The the general rule is you don't specialise until you're 16 at the earliest. Even now, I still do 400 IMs and 200 flies, even though I'm a front crawl swimmer because... I love the variety and I think it can only help make you a better athlete. And then how did you transition into open water stuff? So this this was like, again, by chance. I did a four and an 800 free at a competition and qualified for European juniors in those events. And off the back of that, they gave me the opportunity to go do an open water competition in Portugal before European juniors and so this competition was the qualification for European junior open water if that makes sense and um, I went to do that it was a 10k it was my very first marathon very first time in open water like never even trained in it let alone race in it and I was like okay how hard can it be (laughs) um I've I've done 8k in training 10k in a race will be nothing and honestly I've never been more like proved wrong in my life I can't think of the right term but like it was such a shock the water was like 14 degrees I was absolutely tiny and we weren't in wetsuits 
and I somehow managed to finish yeah no honestly it was it was like it's the hardest swim I've ever done in my life and I'm quite grateful that it never got harder because that was literally like the most difficult thing I've ever done and I got out and I couldn't walk I had to be carried like around the place the weather was oh god it was it was like a really bad experience but anyway off the back of that I qualified for European juniors and they promised me it would be warmer and half the distance and both of those were true so I was like okay I'll go I'll go give that a go I'll give it one more chance and then I ended up winning that competition and since then it was just kind of like oh okay I might as well keep doing this because I'm obviously quite good at it. <laughs> oh that's so cool I've, I've got I like a little bit of experience of open water swimming as a kid doing surf lifesaving and all I remember from it is because obviously there's no lanes to keep you in check yeah. you're swimming on top of each other you'll always get like a boot to the face and it's just yeah. a little bit nasty yeah there's there's definitely like the physical element to it which you kind of like have to learn to not be bothered by it um, yeah. at the senior stage it's quite luckily everyone's quite calm and you know which swimmers to kind of avoid who who go down that route dish the <laughs> so, dirt go on yeah. <laughs> no no names no names <laughs> but yeah um so you just kind of like everyone kind of respects each other and tries to respect each other's space whereas I have been in like junior races and competitions where people feel like they have to fight but um I will always preach that that's never the way to swim an open water race because you just end up coming out losing you get exhausted you drain energy trying to like I, I don't like trying to fight somebody like it's it's not boxing like it's not it's not meant to be a contact sport but you know like pe- people take it that way so I just try to keep away from it. <laughs> in rugby like players get reputations for being dirty but I did not imagine it would be the same in <laughs> swimming I love yeah, that. I know. <laughs> so oh, I was gonna say you two must face like like such worse than what we get to be fair like I don't know how you do it oh Bonner does not me (laughs) (laughs) I'm over on the edge I'm avoiding that no I'm like a fraudulent forward at times even in training like we call them contact dicks every team has got like one or two contact dicks that yeah that you avoid that you avoid like contact drills because they just take it too far and you're like I just want to get like the technique right I don't want to end you and yeah we we know that we kind of know the feeling on that so what distance do you swim then Alice it's so a marathon is that 10k for open water swimming yes it is yeah that's the only distance that they do at the Olympics currently how long does that take uh two hours for the women like 155 to two hours and then the men's like about 150 mark um so like it's long but it goes so quickly like it flies by and before you know it you're on the last lap and like everything's a go <laughs> oh my god I don't think I believe you actually but <laughs> that, <laughs> that goes two quickly. hours yeah two hours <laughs> in the freezing water goes quickly <laughs> I think after about 15 minutes I'd get hungry yeah. like how um, do you feel for a race like that oh so it's pure carb loading beforehand like um what is it it's like 36 hours beforehand you really start to pile on all the pasta the rice the potatoes end up like a little barrel basically all I do anyway (laughs) and then um during the race there's feeding stations which your coaches like team managers will stand on with a pole or a stick that's like five meters long I think five meters is the longest it's allowed to be with cup holders on the end of it 
and then you swim up to the the feeding pontoon grab the cup have a drink and then carry on swimming it's quite an interesting thing to watch if you've never seen it before because it's complete chaos because obviously in the water we all look alike um we, we have different hats but it's so hard to tell who's who and then when you're swimming towards the pontoon you're looking up and all of the people look the same. All you can see is like a line of people with sticks and you're kind of like, okay, I need to find the British flag. And um, yeah, sometimes like, I think I've missed it like one or two times and been like, okay, I've got another half an hour to get around before I can get a drink again. So yeah, an interesting concept. <laughs> God, that's mad. And how does the course work? Will it be like, what I'm trying to say, will it be like several loops of the same, like, I don't know, of 2K or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think the longest lap typically is two and a half K. So that'll be four laps round. And yeah, you just swim around like four boys, typically just a rectangle or square. Sometimes they've been a bit funky and have like a house shape with like a triangle. And then, yeah, it can. I think the most laps I've ever done is eight in a 10 K. And honestly, this is going to sound bad, but like sometimes I struggle to count them because like eight laps to concentrate on counting like eight laps whilst you're concentrating on everything else is like oh my god so um I always ask when we're going into the last lap on the feeding station if they hold up the flag like the British flag to be like okay this is your last lap you're going into the finish after this because um yeah my worst nightmare is taking a different line to go around a lap again and everyone else is going to finish <laughs> oh that would be a nightmare I, I'm the, like saying we have 1200 fitness testing and it's nowhere near Ooh. as much as what you do but like we don't have 100 meter shuttles I'm not oh. even kidding you I will always miscount it so like Rach for example with housemate she times it on her watch but my maths is so bad that even timing it on my watch I'd get confused with like what lap I'm on so I always need someone to be like Bonds this is your last loop round like, oh, yeah <laughs> yeah no honestly you need people to keep you in check sometimes because your yeah. mind's on other things like I've got to concentrate on swimming not counting <laughs> completely agree is the motivation for doing the 10k was that influenced by it being the only distance in the Olympics um yeah honestly it pretty much is at world championships there's a five a 10 and a 25 and honestly like the more I've got into the 10 the more I agree that it's the right distance to swim <laughs> the five just feels like a pure sprint and um I know that sounds so contradictory to someone who probably doesn't swim but after like developing into like a 10k swimmer the 5k is just like heart rate at 180 for an hour whereas the 10k has a little bit more like relaxed pace to it in certain parts or I think it does anyway and then the 25k we're just not even going to talk about that because I can't imagine doing that <laughs> no absolutely not the only bit so far that I think I could do is a carb loading <laughs> no it's yeah, so impressive I love it <laughs> how long have you been swimming full-time Oh, like I guess technically I'm still like a student but so I haven't actually like trans transitioned into the um into like the full-time athlete yet so I'll be doing that next year which I'm like I'm quite excited by because I absolutely love learning and education stuff but especially this year I found like I have so many other things going on outside of swimming in uni that it's getting it's more of a challenge to prioritize everything I'm coping fine with it but like I'm looking forward to not having uni to worry about. 
I was going to ask, how does your training work then? So do you do most of your training in the pool and then how often do you do open water swims or do you just get in the water, the open water, sorry, pre-competition or how does that work? Yeah, literally I, I'm in the pool 99% of my sessions of the year and then open water 1%. Barely ever train open water in Britain because the time of year where it would be appropriate to is when we're either racing or resting so um there's literally only like one potential week a year where we can go and swim in it and even then it's like still wetsuits still like still pretty chilly and yeah when we go to competitions that's pretty much the only time I get to swim in open water which I, I honestly prefer because I'm very like I guess like results performance based in my mind in the pool I, you know it's 50 meters you know you've swam however many meters you know how fast you've gone over those distances whereas in open water there's no it's very loose and you could be trying really hard but swimming really slow or vice versa like swimming easy but going quite fast and you'll never know so I always get out of those sessions being like I have no idea how I swam and psychologically I just kind of need that I need to know I'm swimming well because it just it boosts me up <laughs> yeah of course definitely I can see that and I guess probably in the pool you maybe have a bit more competition with other athletes as well yeah yeah um there's not a lot of open water swimmers um who I train with there's only two of us actually both women yeah it's like in the pool there's different people to like swim with at Loughborough as well because we're, we're such a big team so yeah it's like good vibes <laughs> And so you've represented Great Britain uh, on numerous occasions, and I imagine with that you've probably seen some pretty cool places. What mm. are your career highlights to date so far? Oh, like one of my best achievements, I think, was when I won World Juniors. Um, I did that in 2016 in the 10K. And like that for me, that was like a really big moment because in 2014, I came fourth at World Juniors in the 7.5 after I'd led like the whole race and I ended up coming fourth by like 0.3 of a second and I thought that was my absolute last chance to get a world junior medal and so my heart was like completely broken I was like I didn't achieve what I wanted to and then we get to 2016 and they changed the rules which put in an extra age group making me again the last age group to be able to swim at world juniors and get a chance to right that wrong from like two years ago was like redemption story for myself I think and then yeah into my senior career I'm still like growing in that sense but each race I feel like I'm getting better this year in in Doha it was a world cup leg and I came 10th in that and I was I was really proud of that I was the best I've ever swam and it was against all of the people who were going to be at the Olympics and who were at the world championships so I was in a really good place and then the Covid hit but we can get back to it. <laughs> yeah. And on kind of touching upon COVID, swimmers often kind of talk about the feel of the water or losing the feel. And COVID, a lot of you had no access to a pool. So how did lockdown training work for you? That is such a swimmer thing. And like, I bet people are like, what on earth does that yeah, mean? I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so the best way I try to describe it is if I remove myself from being a swimmer and go to being a non-swimmer and you know when you get in water it just doesn't feel like it doesn't feel right it's obviously a very different sensation 
from just being on land. And when you swim and the more you swim, the more you get used to this feeling of being in water and the more it just, it doesn't feel any different anymore. Like it just, it feels normal and natural. Obviously, the more time you have out of the water, the more this feeling goes away. And over lockdown, yeah, I didn't have any access to swimming or any kind of like body of water to keep my feel, as swimmers say. So yeah, I had 12 weeks out. I got back in and every it just feels so alien, like the, the power's not there in your stroke and um, the water feels like slippery, like you can't hold it. And it's very psychological, I think, because whilst you could keep your fitness up as high as you wanted and as normal as it would be, if you don't have the feel for the water, it just can't come together. And it, it's quite an interesting concept because whilst it may be physical it's definitely more psychological because like nothing in your body is actually different it's just how you're interpreting the, the sensation of swimming <laughs> it's quite deep <laughs> the only thing I can relate it to is we train on like 4g pitches and then you turn mm. up to a team that's on a grass pitch and it feels horrendous so maybe that's oh. like the closest I like this yeah <laughs> probably yeah I don't it's, it's 4g what is that is that like a, a special so, surface yeah, like, do you know the um, rugby pitch at Loughborough? It's kind of yeah. artificial. That's a 4G pitch. Ah, okay. Are they are they better for you? Like, is it, um, is it like, uh, less impact and stuff? Backs would... So, Rona would have a different opinion. They prob- they love it because <laughs> it's quick. Um, whereas, as forwards, kind of, like, trudging up a bit more, so don't mind the grass. But, Rona, what are your thoughts? Yeah, basically, Astro's a bit faster, so it's... Yeah, it's a bit more of a backs game, but it's that's actually something that there's still like a lot yeah. of debate about in like the sports science world, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, I, I like I know nothing about other sports, if I'm being completely <laughs> honest. And then you hear stuff like this and you're like, oh, wow, there's there's other similar issues that people face out there. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, we know nothing about other sports until we stock everybody for the podcast. <laughs> Literally, and yeah. Yeah, then it sounds like we know what we're talking about. <laughs> we're just faking it till we make it that's all (laughs) that's how you gotta do it (laughs) so that kind of brings us on nicely to obviously another issue with the pandemic is the Tokyo Olympics being postponed a year so how Mm. has that affect your affected your training and your approach to the Olympic Games yeah so initially I really struggled with like everything that was going on with the Olympics do you know when lockdown initially happened and everyone was still saying oh yeah the Olympics are going to go ahead like they're going to go on in August that like, everything will be fine and all the swimming pools are closed and I was like okay well I need to train so I can qualify here like like this isn't okay so I'd wake up pretty much every morning check the news still see they were saying the Olympics was going ahead and just have anxiety and then eventually obviously it got postponed as it as it would have done with everything that went on and I could just take this like massive sigh of relief and be like okay you just need to look after yourself make sure you're like following the rules protect yourself and just do what you can to stay fit when you get back in the water you'll still have plenty of time to get ready and I was fortunate enough to get back in and I think it was late May slash early June I can't remember but um they let like elite athletes in to access the pools earlier and was able to get moving again which I was so grateful for and then just kept rolling at it, thankfully. Um, and then the qualification for the 10K is in May, also in Japan. 
which will be interesting in terms of travel because like if I qualify obviously we'll have to come back and then go out again like six weeks later so but it, it will be fine I'm sure. <laughs> so is that your only opportunity to qualify in May next year? Yeah so the way it works with open water is the qualification is chosen by FINA the swimming the international swimming governing body and the first qualification is at the world championships the year before the olympics which like was 2019 and there they picked the top 10 from the men and the women and i came 17th i think i was like 15 seconds off top 10 though and i was 18 off first which like over 10k that shows you like how close the the competition was but um yeah and then there's rules around like only two per nation from the top 10 but anyway we'll, we'll leave that aside and then if you if no one in your nation qualifies you move to the secondary race which is the one in May and then from there you can enter two per nation but only one per nation in the top 10 can qualify so it's quite it'll be quite like brutal on the day yeah I had no idea that um, open water swimming was that close like that's such an exciting event yeah yeah this is the thing like <laughs> I see it as like a slow F1, like it's, like, it's nowhere near as fast or as exciting in that sense. But like tactically and the way the way the race is and how long it is, it's kind of like F1, but like like not not as much money involved in it, I suppose. <laughs> if only that would be cool if there was that much money in it. <laughs> yeah, the glitz and glam. <laughs> Love it. Well, we're backing you all the way to qualify next year. And I know as well that if you were to qualify, I'm right in thinking that you'd be Britain's first black swimmer at the Olympic Games. Yeah, I'd be the first black woman. Um, there was a black uh, black man called Paul Marshall who swam at Moscow in, the, in 1980. And he actually got a medal in the medley relay, which I only learned about like um, like about a month ago. And I was like, oh my God, like, that's like a really cool story. But yeah, anyway, I'd be the first black female to represent Britain at the Olympics, yeah, in swimming. <laughs> Does that like add a level, like, do you feel any pressure from that side of it? Um, I do, but like a positive pressure where I feel like I've got like an added edge to qualifying, like potentially making history and um, doing something quite cool, which like, inspires me more to want to do it like I want to do it anyway but I think having something so special attached to it um is quite a cool flex yeah <laughs> so me and Bonner were like looking at some like absolutely ridiculous stats let me get them on my phone oh. before I misquote them you probably know them all um oh sorry. is it um like 95% of black adults don't swim 80% yeah. of black children in England yeah yeah like, like crazy <laughs> what the hell frightening honestly um I don't know swimming's like such an important life skill as well yes yes like I don't know how many of those can't swim but the fact that that many don't swim is like oh it's yeah it's frightening and like I'm um I helped co-found the Black Swimming Association which is looking to tackle those statistics and we're working with um governing bodies in aquatics to help end this issue because it's been going on for decades and um whilst we have these statistics now they would have been way worse like 10-15 years ago so whatever we can do to help change that 
help make black people realise they can swim, educate everybody on this issue, then we're looking to do that. And do you think this has come from these kind of myths and stereotypes? Is this where it all stems from? Yeah, so um, I heard so many stories from coaches and teachers from like, who, who coached and taught in like the 1960s um, for swimming. And they were literally told like to steer black people away from swimming and put them into other sports because they weren't seen as being able to be swimmers. And like, it's things like that where eventually, obviously these lies and myths, stereotypes are passed on through generations. And say your grandparent doesn't swim, maybe they don't put their children into swimming, meaning they won't put you into swimming. And you, you end up with like potentially a whole family who can't swim 25 meters and just never thinking it's relevant to having to be able to swim because their parents didn't swim and they're absolutely fine so it doesn't matter if you don't swim and etc so yeah it's there's so much like racism and there's so many like issues wrapped up within that that we kind of have to unpack and like iron out before we can like really see change and growing up, did you experience any racism yourself? Yeah, so I've had like one or two instances within swimming. Um, one came from a coach who, um, yeah, he called me a derogatory word to another swimmer and then that swimmer told me and I reported it. But um, I'm really grateful that that was like really the only instance. I've had others like stupid ignorant comments from other children some parents like giving like dodgy vibes and or like do, do you know when you just feel like animosity sometimes I've had that but um generally in swimming I have had a, a positive experience like I, I really have and I mean I'm still in the sport I'm still trying my best at it so like it, it hasn't affected me um in any way to to stop me from being like the best athlete I can be thankfully. Was it something that you were aware of as a child swimming that not everybody looked like you I guess? Yeah it was it was something that I was kind of aware of in waves like um, I can't I'm from Birmingham originally so like a really diverse area like at school was never like the only non-white person in the class or anything like that like really diverse but um, obviously when we went to swimming, this gets like what, watered out, drowned out, like... Watered out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't really mean to use those like swimming puns there, but here we are. <laughs> um, yeah, we, so luckily at all the clubs we went to, I was never the, we were never the only non-white family. But every now and then, I'd, like a swimmer, another swimmer or a parent might say something. I don't think they ever meant harm, but you know, just something could come across as quite ignorant. And then it kind of snapped me back to reality and made me realize that I didn't have the same skin color as everybody there. And it's kind of one of those things where I couldn't see myself. Like I could only see the other swimmers around me. So I just saw swimmers and that's kind of how I identified myself. I'd be like, oh, I'm a swimmer. But I never, obviously I never saw my skin color because I'm myself. <laughs> so I can never see that I was different but like as I've grown up I've like obviously been more aware of my identity and 
like embraced who I am and really proud to be like who I am so um that's why I'm talking about these issues now but when I was younger I didn't really feel like I had the the capability to have these conversations because I didn't didn't really understand like the issues which went on within my sport in that sense and do you think with Black Lives Matter at the at the moment it's kind of impacted positively the swimming world or do you think it's yet to affect swimming yeah no I definitely think it's um been a positive effect for swimming um I've had so many swimmers like uh realize what white privilege is what they can do to help make the world a more equal place and it's been a really refreshing year in that sense that so many people have educated themselves in such a positive way and honestly it is little things like that just just learning what um what societal racism is what structural things are in place which keeps certain people from certain backgrounds in, in like a pigeonhole place or stereotypes them and um, I think swimming has definitely grown over the past year with swimmers having so much time to be able to learn and educate themselves and like also with the work I'm doing and with what the Black Swimming Association are doing it's really made people aware that this issue exists. Yeah I think that that's such a positive step in the right direction and we've seen mm. the same with rugby like as the league started oh, back good. this season we've been doing like a minute silence before games which we never did before but I think even that is just so powerful to let like so that everybody can kind of show our teammates and show the league that yeah. like, we're an inclusive environment and that yeah everybody's welcome in our sport. Yes honestly it is things like that that make such a difference of just like yeah a league recognising that this is an issue that like we are united with your struggle honestly um can make such a difference for somebody looking at the sport and thinking oh okay I, I'm I feel like I'd be accepted there yeah that's really good <laughs> yeah and absolutely love the Black Women Association like you're um you're 22 right uh 23 yeah 23 so, yeah but 23 now yeah <laughs> to already be like yeah absolutely smashing it yeah. like it's so inspiring <laughs> thank you <laughs> Also, another cool one is that you've partnered with Soul Cap Company, is it? Um, yes. Tell us a bit more about that. This is really cool when I was reading about this before. When we were stalking yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Um, so, yeah, Soul Cap, they are, they literally just create bigger swimming caps. And, like, it is something that simple that can prevent somebody from going to a swimming pool because... I have had so many black women be like, what do you do with your hair? Like, how do you protect it when you get in? Because chlorine water is so bad for everybody's hair, but it can be especially damaging to Afro-Caribbean hair and the way it dries it out. And um, Soul Cap have literally created a bigger swimming cap, which allows you to fit more hair in. And it's kind of like a no-brainer because like, why, I always think we don't expect everyone to fit into the same swimming costume. Why would we expect everyone to fit into the same swimming hat? And um, just giving people this option to fit more hair into a swimming cap, to keep their hair dry, to be able to wear a pair of goggles, keep keep their hair out of their face. It's just like, I'm so proud to be like partnering with it and helping break one of those barriers which black people face when getting in the water. Yeah, and that is such a like ridiculous barrier to yeah. people getting in the water. <laughs> like, yeah. just a bit of equipment like that just needs just needs a little bit more material that's all it is that's all it is to um get people into it and 
um I, I'm just I'm happy that it's been done like it's so, I'm so grateful for it <laughs> yeah like thanks so much for sharing all that with us it's so cool so just kind of finishing up with like what's next on your agenda so what are your aspirations moving forward both for kind of yourself as an individual swimmer and for the Black Swimming Association which you've co-founded yeah so obviously hopefully make the Olympics um and then if I go there hopefully swim to my full potential whatever that may be (laughs) um I yeah I daydream of um a gold medal but like I I just I just love to go compete and just try and do myself justice whatever that may be and then hopefully beyond that I kind of want to go to Birmingham commie games from Birmingham myself The, the swimming pool is literally like a mile away from my house and like a nine year old me would be screaming at my mum to get us tickets to be able to go watch that so to have the potential to go swim in literally literally a home crowd is like like it's something I really want to do and then beyond that honestly I'm not too sure it might be Paris um I, I, I don't know yet but I'm young enough to keep up with it so I'm gonna see how it goes and then in terms of like the Black Swim Association yeah we're just gonna like Covid keeps um resetting everything annoyingly because obviously swimming pools close the Mm. uh, organizations we're working with people might get furloughed and like our contacts kind of like slim out in that sense but we're definitely making a lot of positive steps and really looking to hit 2021 hard we have a load of targets which we want to meet for example reducing the number of black adults and children who can't swim in England by three percent in the next four years which um will be challenging like that is a lot of people to encourage but once it's kind of one of those things where once the ball starts rolling it will just keep rolling and they're like children might learn to swim at school and then they'll ask their parents if they can swim and they might say no and then be like oh no come on we're we're taking you to learn to swim and that's another two people who now know how to swim so definitely hoping to get the ball rolling on that I guess those things generate momentum you just need like a few people to buy into it and hope that it has that kind of domino effect yeah definitely with with the way the black um black culture is and black communities are um it would definitely be one of those things where within a few years um, if we get more people within communities learning to swim they'll encourage their friends their family and hopefully these that horrible statistics will 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 start to see positive change I think we probably really take for granted that like I know that when I was growing up like swimming lessons would be part of the curriculum in school yeah it's difficult because there's so many different things within that like when you learn to swim at school if people already know how to swim it can be so demoralizing for yourself um I've, I've read like stories of that where other children just feel like left behind it's so it's not a great feeling is it when you're watching your classmates be able to go in the big pool and you might still have to have armbands on in the little pool so Mm. um it's little things like that can be such a negative experience for children and cause the swimming pool and even sport in general this can definitely be cast into wider sport to just be like not a great experience so um it probably needs to be like more encouragement more more safeguarding in that sense where we encourage like people who aren't as good at sport or swimming to find their space in it and be able to grow 
yeah love it so cool thank you so to finish off then we we do this with every guest we got juicy cues and uh, when we we first started this we had about 10 questions and they weren't quick fire at all it would literally take half an hour and <laughs> um, so we kind of avoided it and we brought them back in for this series and it's just five questions and kind of the thing that comes to the top of your head um okay. quick fire it out oh god okay I'll try. <laughs> i hope i won't embarrass myself <laughs> No, they're they're real simple. We we're it's just a bit of fun. Cool. Rona, you fired away. Sweet. Okay, so question number one. Would you rather play all of the instruments or speak all of the languages? Oh, speak all of the languages. How yeah. cool would that be? Like, oh, I could flex in French and then in Italian. Yeah. <laughs> Correct answer. Okay, question two. I've changed this, but I haven't consulted you, Rona. No, um, I've just seen it. <laughs> oh, because we asked a coffee question and the past three guests we've had don't drink coffee. So uh, I've tweaked it. Are we okay with the tweak? Oh, yeah. No, I love yeah. it. Go for it. Okay. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. Is there one that can, like, generate, like, wealth or money? <laughs> yeah, you could have, like, a just money Just be tree. really rich. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, probably like I'd like probably be Iron Man or something or Batman. Do you know that they're, they're just rich people who like have superpowers because they're rich? I'd be I'd be that. <laughs> uh, you can like afford the technology or like the scientists yeah. to fund all these ideas. <laughs> and you're quite into your gaming and stuff, aren't you? That would help for that as well. Oh my god, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, oh, yeah, I love gaming. <laughs> cool. So, question number three: If you were on the Great British Bake Off, what would your speciality be? Oh my god, you're gonna hate me. I can't I, I can't bake at all. I'm so bad at it. But like if I could, oh my god, I don't even know. I'd like the thought of just making a cake, it seems like way out of my comfort zone at least. Maybe like a chocolate fondant. I don't even like I don't know how hard that is. I'm just, I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> wait, do you mean like just melted chocolate that you dip things in? Oh no, oh wait, oh no. Is it um What's the little like? Or the one with like the sponge with the melt in the middle chocolate. The sponge, yeah, the sponge with the melt in the middle yeah, chocolate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like even Lucy Adams said like a mint choc chip cake, didn't she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not the weirdest answer we've had, Alice. You're all good. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> um, okay, question four. What sport would you do if you weren't swimming? Oh, I'd like to think I'd be in athletics. Just like... I just think I'd, I'd fit in that, but um, I don't think I'm very, I'd be very good at it at the same time, but you never know. <laughs> like another individual sport. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I'd like, I've never, I've never done a team sport before. So um, like, I'd, it's a weird concept thinking like I have to rely on teammates, which I actually sometimes, sometimes I think, oh, that'd be really nice because then it's not just me going through this. Like there's other people who like have the same, but you know, yeah, it's a different. I think it's a different world in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And final question: What's your star sign? Oh, Taurus. Oh, Taurus. I don't know if we've had a Taurus recently. No, and if we've not had one, we don't know anything about them. So then it's, oh, it just yeah. like kills oh. a conversation. Oh, okay. I'm like stubborn, loyal, grounded. I like my luxuries. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much a Taurus. <laughs> you know quite a lot. Do you like star signs? 
yeah I'm like low-key into it not too deep into it that like I don't really read my horoscope but like I know my sun sign my moon sign um I, I know other bits of it but like and I feel like it relates a lot to my personality and who I am yeah <laughs> oh love it that's like the level we're at like don't need a horoscope but do like follow meme pages on instagram and yeah yeah <laughs> love it oh sweet so good well thank you for sharing all that you have with us that was a lot of fun no thank you thanks for having me because we are doctors lawyers mothers footballers first minister Port laureate, we're on the move and I'm telling you the glass ceiling's going, we're coming through. Rise up, eyes up, take the stage, play your game, don't be afraid. You're a work of our our Jones of our always be proud of who you are. Girl, gotta hold your head up high, don't let this moment pass you by. You can be anything you believe you can be. Believe you can be